Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Sights on Sinnoh, the anime podcast going over Diamond and Pearl as we get closer to Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. This week we're covering episodes 44 and 45 of the anime, and this is of course episode 26 of the podcast. With me this week I have Brady. How has your week been, Brady? Hey, pretty good. Can't complain. Uh, it was four day week. We had a or work mm-hmm. week. Had Monday off for Fourth of July, so that was nice. Yeah, got to play a lot of video games. Nice, nice. What have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing Monster Hunter Stories too. Uh, it just released today that we're recording this, but I was playing the demo beforehand because you can transfer the process or the progress over. So I've been doing that, and I've also been doing some Sword and Shield like usual. Got it. Cool. I have also been playing a demo, but for a very different game, called Neo The World Ends With You. Have you heard of that one? No, but it sounds like The Matrix. (laughs) There's some Matrix vibes in there. It's essentially also a sequel to an older game that came on the DS, um, like 2011 maybe? That was just called The World Ends With You. And out of nowhere, they kind of just announced a sequel... The original game is getting an anime adaptation. So I thought this was a cool way to kind of learn more about that world because I've seen like videos about it. And then with this game, it's actually made for the Switch. They they tried putting a port of the original game on the Switch, but it doesn't really work as smoothly because the original game was really reliant on having a dual screen. And you can't really do that on just the Switch. So, uh, so far, combat feels awesome in this one. So I'm excited to see how the full game turns out. I think sometime this month as well, actually. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's all about collecting pins and using powers to um, fight things and make sure that you come back from the dead because, uh, spoiler, you're dead (laughs) to start the game. Well, well, (laughs) you start off dead and then you have to collect things to to like resurrect oh man that sounds like something i'd be interested in yeah it's i'd be kind of like resurrecting old forgotten pokemon from ancient times which we will get to uh in part two of this episode (laughs) for now we're actually going to be covering a very different pokemon in the episode all about hippopotas now before i get into that and get the blurb out what do you think about the Pokemon Hippopotas in general before this episode? <laughs> uh, before this episode, I thought it was just really just a weird kind of Pokemon. Um, kind of derpy looking. Mm-hmm. I know it evolves into Hippowdon, and that's actually pretty strong. Uh, and and Hippowdon is pretty cool because they have like the male and the female form. I can't remember if the Hippopotas has a male and female form because uh, all of the ones in this episode were the same color scheme. Yeah, I think it does, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's like a different shade of brown as well. It has like a brown snout, but then the nostrils are still the same kind of pale yellow. Yeah, uh, time to check Pokemon Go. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, it's in there. It should be in there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that both both forms are, or both evolutions are uh, male and female differences. Yeah, it's it's very interesting and also misleading people into 
thinking it's a shiny. Yes. <laughs> if, <laughs> if they're not well informed, but you know, I, I, I wonder how, how that misconception might come back in the remakes later this year. But before we get there, uh, let's actually jump into this episode and talk about episode 44, Mass Hyposis. Hip, hyposis, something like <laughs> Just go with it. Uh, the Japanese title is Save the Lost Hippopotas, keeping it nice and simple. Ash's Churchwig brings everyone's attention to a young hippopotas and stranded on the ledge of a cliff. So this is where the blurb starts, so let me give some context here. <laughs> Ash and his Pokemon and Dawn and Brock and everyone are just having their lunch and they're getting ready to pack up and leave when they can't find where Churchwig is. Until someone comments that Churchwig might have gone for an afternoon stroll. And there they find Churchwig leading the gang over to a cliff where a hippopotas is stranded on a cliff. And with the help of Brock and a rope to relay him down, Ash is able to rescue the hippopotas and bring it back to safety. What do you think about the cold open to this episode? I hate cold opens. They just need <laughs> to stop. I don't think they do, but they need to stop. It was kind of all over the place. Like, we get the idea Hippopotas is the featured Pokemon of this episode, but not a lot of value besides that. I I don't know if there's been an episode yet that I'm like, oh, wow, that was really good that they did the cold cold open. Mm, I'm glad mm -hmm. they did it. No, no, not one yet. They've They've been decent at best. Like... The, the ones I've enjoyed the most, but for the most part, they're they're just like, you can skip this. I don't know why they have it. And the opening for this episode does have everyone just kind of eating around a table. The Pokemon are on the floor with their food plates. Did you notice a little detail with Baneri? Yeah, so I noticed that um, this might be the same detail you're talking about, but I noticed that all of the Pokemon were like hanging out in groups like Ash's Pokemon, Brock's Pokemon, uh, I almost said Misty, oh my gosh, uh, and then Don's Pokemon. Uh, you know, they were all in their separate groups eating or hanging out, whatever. But Baneri, I believe, was with Ash's Pokemon. Yeah, and we have a little cute moment where they're all being put back in their Pokeballs, and Baneri just hops back over to Don's Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> like just very innocently like yeah I, I went to go eat with my boyfriend Pikachu and now we're, I'm just gonna go back to Don it's all chill you know yeah, it's <laughs> just just a real, yeah just a you know, casual, casual date here but no one even acknowledges it which I think is perfect but I did think it was strange though like after that like they all return their Pokemon to the Pokeballs and they're like ready to leave and Ash doesn't mm. realize he doesn't have his own Turtwig Pikachu's the and, one that points it out to him, right? Yeah, yeah, he does that uh, face mimic thing where he's like pulling on his face and made it look like a Turtwig. And then Brock's like, yeah, I saw Turtwig go for a stroll. And he's like, oh, all right, I'll go look for Turtwig. It's like, jeez, Ash, what? You don't even have that many Pokemon. Yeah, how did you already just like lose track of your Pokemon? It's it's an interesting one. He, he just he just ready to go, you know, he maybe... I, just eight needs to go to the bathroom. He's like, all right, let's, let's, let's hit the road. I do appreciate the fact that they give like their Pokemon time out of the Pokeballs. And mm-hmm. like, it seems like they get some freedom in the sense that you don't have to be right here next to me. If Turtwig can just wander off and it's okay. 
Right. Uh, so I guess there's a part of that that's pretty cool, but the fact that he just didn't realize uh, and was ready to leave, I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I didn't recall my church wig because it's not out here. I need to go find it first. Yeah, a little, a little interesting that <laughs> that everyone else notices except him in this case. So the next thing we see is just Churchwig running out of the bushes and biting on Ash's pant leg. Tell him to come over here, and that's where they find this hippopotamus just like on the edge of a cliff, like in a little outlet. Um, clearly having fallen down from somewhere and unable to go absolutely anywhere. So this is our introduction to Hippopotas. And uh, at this point, they figure out that they need to rescue him. So they get to the other side of the cliff themselves, which I don't fully understand how they do, but (laughs) it, it works somehow where they're now on top and are able to use a tree to tie ash to a rope so he can kind of like rock climb down to where hippopotas is what do you think about this strategy on their part to rescuing it um overall i think it's a pretty good strategy but my first strategy was like if i were there i would have just been like let's knock this hippopotas off the ledge because it already fell 200 feet or however <laughs> far it was and landed where it did without getting injured. So apparently it can fall another 200 feet and just be okay. Yeah. The fact that it, it's like a, still a good distance from the top and the edge of the rock that's on didn't immediately collapse is impressive in itself. It just seems like it would have been a lot more injured from that fall to begin with. Yeah. I, like it's kind of critical and, and it's also like, is hit, this hippopotamus just really strong? Did something break its fall that we don't know of? But it's kind of just like a very convenient setup here to like show he's really trapped and there's no way he's getting down from here on his yeah, own. Yeah, there, there's no way you get yourself in that position, so there's no, no way you can get out of that position. <laughs> they tried explaining that later that I might have been trying to get fruit from a tree and that's where it came down from because the tree was close to the edge. But I'm just like... Maybe this could have replaced the cold open. Give us a little, like, crazy slapstick way of showing how Hippopotas got here. And that would have been a kind of fun intro. Yeah, that would be a lot better. Mm-hmm. A little context, just kind of giving us an understanding of how we got here would be fun. But Ash does climb down there with Pikachu, who persuades Hippopotas into not biting Ash anymore. And now with the help of Brock and Dawn, they're able to pull them back up to the top and uh, kind of help Hippopotas relax a little bit with a snack and get it to calm down. Now, at this point, they are being pretty friendly with it. Like, Ash is, is able to calm it down with the help of Pikachu. And now it's on safe ground. They're, they get a fruit from it, from the tree that it was supposedly hungry for. And it's, I think at one moment someone says, hey, it looks like Hippopotas wants to come with you. And it's immediately interrupted by Ro- Rhonda? Rhonda. Yeah, that's Rhonda. <laughs> Rhonda from Sinnoh Now, which is a recurring character that we've seen in the show, a news reporter slash anchor who is following this hippopotas 
and gives a whole backstory. But before we talk about that, what do you think about that suggestion of Hippopotas joining Ash? Uh, I thought that was a really good idea. Yeah, I was, I was excited. excited for it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure, give, give Ash this new Pokemon. <laughs> like, why not? It's cute. We don't know much about it, and it's not like a very common one that people might might get. So I, I'm always interested in seeing how those kind of Pokemon interact and get shown off in the show. You know, one thing that I was thinking about when Ash like just carried the Hippopotas off the ledge and then Brock pulled them all up. I was like, I'm pretty sure Hippopotas is a heavy Pokemon. Yes. <laughs> so I looked it up just now and it's 109 pounds. Yeah. Uh, or 49.5 kilograms for you non-freedom unit folk. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Ash is super strong. But Brock is also super strong. I'm and Don does help him. Oh, okay. But, but still, that's that's very impressive. Yeah, you know what would have been nice? If he he had brought out Hapini. Oh, that would be cool. Right? It's just like, yeah, like this makes sense. Like have him have her just pull them up and be like, ah, Hapini is the explanation for like, comically strong. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's never super explained, but it's just kind of a cute gimmick that she has. But the TV crew explains that there's a hippopotamus migration happening right now, and this one got separated from the herd. So they decide to help this hippopotamus get back, and Ash puts this 109 Pokemon, <laughs> pound Pokemon on its head and starts walking off until they immediately fall into a pitfall trap, which is a classic Team Rocket move. And of course, it's revealed that they are the ones who set this up and uh, snatch up the hippopotamus, which Jessie cannot pronounce. <laughs> like she has, she tries several times during this episode. I don't think she ever says hippopotamus's name correctly. Uh, and honestly, like that's the probably the highlighting factor of this episode for me that I thought was like great. Just um, Jessie's failure there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just. One of those Pokemon names that you look at and you're like trying to figure it out by yourself. And once someone says it the right way, like you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But just trying to read it blows your mind. Uh, and I've heard a lot of people pronounce it wrong. So mm. just just like, um, I guess seeing them make fun of that fact that it's kind of a hard name to read um, is pretty funny to me. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, I'm glad they acknowledge it because there's definitely moments where you're like, everyone in the show can just say this, like, correctly? <laughs> like, hold up. No, no, no education system is this good that everyone knows how to pronounce all these words. Yeah, it's like, if you don't have a Pokedex, you have no mm -hmm. idea how to say this thing's name. Exactly. And Hippopotas, while all this is happening, lets out a yawn attack, which hits Meowth. And Ash is able to use Turtwig's razor leaf to cut down Hippopotas from the rope and uh, is freed from Team Rocket's clutches. As Ash catches it, it uses another yawn, which hits Brock and someone from the camera crew, uh, which we'll get to later. But Jesse's pretty frustrated with this 
Meowth isn't there to explain the fantasy of why they're going after this Pokemon. So James steps in and kind of provides his own improv fantasy of how Hippopotas can help the boss. And I thought these were pretty funny, actually. One of them includes uh, Giovanni golfing and Hippopotas being hidden in the sand somewhere uh, close to where the hole is. And being able to blow the ball close enough to to make uh, Giovanni's hit count for, for more points in golf, basically. Or less points. Uh, and Jane just kind of improvises the whole thing, which I found pretty great. Yeah, that was good. Um, James also, I think, has a really good spot in this episode. Just in general. Yep. Um, I think he did it really well. So it may have been... Oh, wait, no, th- there's another point that comes later that was really good. Yes, yeah, 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 We're, we'll get to that for sure. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And then they just hit the road with the camera crew lagging behind because their mic person got hit by the yawn as well and just passed out. And as they keep going along, Don comments on how heavy Hippopotas is, so they they kind of recognize it. And Brock is offering to take over if ash gets tired but what happens instead is brock passes out because if you know the move yawn that will actually take out opponents and put them to sleep after another turn and in this case it seems to have a delayed effect on brock as he just passes out in the middle of the road and Don's actually the one who kind of explains that it was Yon that hit him and brought and Ash is the one who's kind of confused at first more that why why did Brock just fall asleep? Yeah, and I really liked the uh delayed action of Yon in the anime. Mm-hmm. Uh just the way that it plays out, like you said in the video game, I think they incorporated it well by giving the characters some time to act a little bit before they fell asleep. Exactly, yeah, it kind of plays into how that mechanic works, which is pretty neat. And from here, Dawn spots uh, Team Rocket flying overhead and decides that they need to hide, or else they'll come looking for them. So they jump into the bushes, but forget Brock. Like, (laughs) they were just talking about him, and they completely forget that he's now asleep in the middle of the road. Yeah, they just ditched him. Uh, but luckily, his own Pokemon did not, as Krogunk somehow understood what was going on, and they see immediately Krogunk just dragging <laughs> Brock's unconscious conscious body behind it as it runs towards the bushes and hides the body successfully. <laughs> and Don's like, wow, quick thinking, Krogunk. <laughs> and Krogunk just sitting there, taking in the moment. Yeah, I do like Krogunk. Uh, definitely grown on me. So I think Krogunk in general like is an okay Pokemon. I think the shiny version of it is great, like outstanding, mm. fantastic. I love it. Really? Um, okay. Oh, yeah. Just like normally as a Pokemon, I didn't really know a whole, whole lot about it. So when it first introduced itself in the anime, I was like, okay, this is an interesting Pokemon. I didn't surprise, mm-hmm. or it, I didn't expect Brock to get the Krogunk. I didn't really understand Krogunk's place, but the more it showed up, uh, I've come to really enjoy it in the anime. Yeah, it's a definitely a cool fan favorite, I'd say, that gets a lot of screen time. 
and is just a fun addition to the group. Like it just adds another dynamic to uh to Brock and his failed flirtations, which I think is is probably some of the most satisfying because you actually hear like his heartbreak as Krogunk intervenes a lot of the time. Yeah, I'm just like, come on, Krogunk, put a little a little more effort behind that poison jab. <laughs> then we cut to later, which is like, okay, this is gonna be the on the recurring thing of this episode. We just cut to the future a lot. Like an hour at a time sometimes. Because at this point, Brock is now awake again, and they reach a roadblock that is blocking off the path somehow. And as they're distracted by that, Hip- Hippopotas again gets snatched snatched up by uh, Team Rocket, and it tries to run away with it. What Ash hangs onto the net, and the net breaks, which sends them flying into a river that was next to them because they're crossing a bridge now during this i think don gets hit by a yawn somehow it, it's like it's whatever like her moment does not last nearly as long as brock's but she like wakes up to see what's going on sends that weasel down uh to help ash in the water and brock very quickly sends out krogung to use poison sting on team rocket's balloon to send them blasting off and uh, Buizo just has a really cool moment as it kind of like pose dives into the water and uh, just comes up to the rock that Ash is holding on to while uh, saving Hippopotas. And that just tells him, Buizo, I'm, I'm fine. Take Hippopotas ashore. And he just grabs him, dives into the water, and then uh, comes back up with Hippopotas kind of holding on to Buizo's neck, which is an inflatable, like, mini raft basically and takes it back to shore uh with ash following i liked the inner tube scene like the inner tube mm-hmm. around its neck i really liked that part but what confused me was uh like you pointed out when the buizel grabbed the hippopotas and just dove into the water it's like the yeah. whole point was to keep the hippopotas out of the water to the best <laughs> of your ability and you're just like completely dunking it not just dragging it through the water which would be totally okay but like nah you are going 10 feet under (laughs) yeah like like chill weasel like what what are you doing like he realizes later to just inflate the tube and float along but it like just brought hippopotas face first into the water for some reason so weasel's not the greatest of lifeguards i've seen in training. Oh, in training. That that explains it. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Hippopotas comes out seeming kind of sick, so they rush off to a Pokemon Center, where it looks like it's doing fine. Nurse Joy says it just needs some rest, medicine, and time in the sand, which she somehow has. So good on her for, I guess, being ready for Hippopotas or ground types. But she kind of hints that he could use more sand, so we get a montage of Ash and friends running out to a random place with sand and collecting dry sand that Staravia finds for them. And it's like a whole thing. Like, they're running, and Don's like, slow down. And he's like, no, you slow down. And he drops his bag of sand, and it comes out. But they help put the sand back in, and then they keep running back to the Pokemon Center, all with this, like, epic music happening in the background. I think that was just, like, a lot of filler. Uh, I didn't think mm. that was super necessary. 
Yeah, it's like especially what? the part with him tripping and stuff like that little conflict didn't add anything to the episode. No, it maybe just showed like, hey, Ash, you can slow down, but like <laughs> not super necessary whatsoever. I guess they just really wanted to animate this like epic scene of Ash going along. And we'll get to maybe why it frustrates me even more um, as we get closer to the end here. But he is able to bring the sand back to the Pokemon Center, and Hippopotas is uh, grateful for it as it kind of speeds up its recovery. And uh, they then leave the Pokemon Center off to search for the herd again. And on their way out, they find a group of um, interestingly dressed merchants, I guess is how you would put it. Which is, of course, none other than Team Rocket in disguise. Um, and as they're offering to sell them sand, uh, but actually give it away for free, because, of course, they're the lucky winners, uh, Hippopotas releases a yawn on Jesse, and that kind of blows the cover of what's going on, as then they're in the middle of trying to kidnap Hippopotas. And it just scurries back over to Ash, which I found really funny. <laughs> Yeah, the bag didn't really work out too well. Yeah, it, it was not uh, the most solid of plans. And with the, their cover blown, they go right into the motto. And I think this is the funnier part that you were talking about earlier. Yes, definitely. Uh, because they start going into the motto, and Jesse falls asleep halfway through, thanks to Yawn. And James just kind of puppets her body through the, the second half of her lines, which was just hilarious to watch. Yeah, and he's like a higher pitch voice. Like, it was good. Yeah. It's like, man, he, James, you, you're the real main character of the show. He committed himself. He's, this is his time to shine here. <laughs> um, so James is already capable of showing that he's filled in for Meowth and his boss fantasies and now he's filling in for Jesse and the motto. He's got this. He's carrying the team on his back this episode. It definitely is. Uh, and here Ash just sends out Brock to battle Cacnea and just... Can, this, can I say he just destroys James in this battle? Yeah. I don't know. These battles just seem like super short. Yeah. Um... This one to me felt especially short because he like just sends out Turtwink and he immediately back to back like sends out attacks uh, and then is ready to finish off with Thunderbolt like before they can even do anything. Uh, yeah. Well, Cacnea did also grab onto James, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, that's fair. It, it <laughs> so a little time. He lost a turn. <laughs> <laughs> it sent him back enough. That's fair. Yeah, I I, th I just thought that was funny because it seems like it shows how um, maybe Jesse is more of the aggressive battler in this situation. For, uh, and like the team dynamic that they have, I mean. Uh, but finally, for like the third time this episode, we blast off Team Rocket. And they get to the desert, finally, where they see some Hippopotas footprints, but no signs of Hippopotas themselves. Aside from the sand dunes. But then Hippopotas uh, cries out for its friends. And we see a lot of heads just cutely popping out of the sand. Uh, which shows that its friends are all here. And it's reunited with its herd. As they say goodbye. Uh, 
Ash tosses him a fruit for the last time, and Hippopotas replies by sending out another yawn, which puts Ash and Pikachu to sleep. And the episode wraps up with Ash being carried by Brock as they head back to Heart Home, and Dawn carrying Pikachu as they continue on to their next gym battle and contest. So, <laughs> like, as you can probably tell, there's a lot and yet nothing that really happens this episode. Yeah. And it, it was very difficult for me to, like, think about this episode and how I felt about it. Because overall, I felt like the storyline was just not great. But there were some really good moments in the middle of it that I, like, enjoyed. And so it's, like, hard for me to think about the episode and how I would, like, emotionally respond to it, you know? Yeah. The gags were pretty strong. But at some points, it just, like felt like they really wanted this to take a while specifically the journey of ash reuniting hippopotas like they really felt like they were trying to make it last as long as possible like they had this random roadblock for some reason the side venture with the pokemon center and i'm just like do you want us to Keep Hippopotas? Like, do you want them to give up? Like, what's going on here? To me, this... It would have, like... I don't know how to word it. I guess, like, the audience would have benefited more if Ash kept the Hippopotas. Yeah. Because I felt like there was a lot of conflict, like, individual conflicts. Like, Team Rocket tried to capture it, what, three or four times Mm -hmm. in this one episode? Um. And so it's like, it shows Ash's perseverance to keeping it safe. And so to me, it would have been a good ending to see when Ash, like, threw him the fruit. Then mm. the Hippopotas, like, ran back to Ash and decided yeah. to stay with him. Then I, I feel like the viewers would have been rewarded for watching this long episode. <laughs> yeah, it would have been way more satisfying because... Like, that just felt the direction, like, that they were going in. Especially after the whole sequence of them trying to find the sand. Like, it, it, like it, it shows him really going out of his way for this hippopotas. And for it to just kind of, like, say thank you and goodbye is kind of inconclusive. It just confuses me on like what is the point of like what's Ash's goal? I know he wants to be a Pokemon master, whatever that means, but it's like how does he decide which Pokemon he wants to catch and which yeah. ones he doesn't? Because it's not always like a Pokemon's like, oh, I want to be your friend now, and then he takes him. Sometimes he's mm-hmm. like, oh, there's a Pokemon, I want to catch it. It's like, right. well, why didn't you do that with this Hippopotas? Yeah, like, like this, this one would be perfect for your team. Like we even see it use Sandtomb on Team Rocket. Yeah. Uh, and sand attack, I think, at some point. So I'm like, it, it can clearly battle and kind of fend for itself, at least. Wouldn't Ash want that on his team? Maybe? So, I don't know. This is just one of the mysteries. Um, it, this... it felt... <laughs> I don't... I don't know how to feel about it either. So does he not, like, overcatch Pokemon anymore? Because I know in, like, Season 1, he had... He had uh, multiple Pokemon 
like with Professor Oak that he could like swap out at any time and call him up and then they like do their little transfer. Um, yes. So I'm wondering if like in the seasons I didn't watch, if he still has like a reserve of Pokemon or if he just like gets a team of six and doesn't catch any more. So historically he does continue that trend uh, in Johto. He catches a Heracross that ends up, he ends up keeping with the professor for a long time because his team ends up being like the starters, Noctowl, Pikachu and Fambi by the end. And in Hoenn, he doesn't overcatch actually. Uh, he le- he ends up leaving two of his Pokemon in in Professor Oak's lab as he goes on the Battle Frontier arc, and then catches Apom. But that's it. In this season, we will see him overcatch. Okay, well that's good. Yeah, I just don't so we'll understand get like why they choose to allow him to catch some Pokemon and why mm-hmm. why they set it up perfectly for him to. Like, have this best friend new Pokemon, and then, oh, we'll never see you again. Yeah, like, it's even <laughs> suggested, and then it just turns into character of the week. It just feels really odd. So, maybe at some point they planned to have the, him on the team, but they're like, no, 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 Hippopotas isn't as marketable as Churchwig. We need, we need to keep that. I don't know, it's kind of, like, derpy cute. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe I'll see a resurgence in uh, uh, the, the newest anime or... The game's coming out. I think it was in uh, the Pokemon Center when it was in that, like, new sand. Its mm-hmm. eyes were closed, but, like, the black dots on them were, like, the little half ovals. Mm. And it would just look super cute. And I never really thought about this Pokemon as being, like, a cute Pokemon. Yeah. But I feel like the way that it was portrayed in the anime. When it's um, happy, it, it looks really did. nice, for sure. Yeah. But sometimes the sprite doesn't even show it smiling, so it's kind of hard to tell. <laughs> That's true. But speaking of cute Pokemon... Uh, oh, before we go, actually, darn it, I almost had a good transition. Well, <laughs> what, no. would you, what would you rate episode 44, Man's Gosh. Hyposis? I don't know, maybe like a six. Like, I enjoyed yeah. a lot of the James comedy. Um, I enjoyed some of the interactions, like, with Hippopotas. Mm-hmm. But just overall, the story was not super great. And there was, like, no reward at the end, so. Mm-hmm. It was like a five or a six. That's yeah, this is exactly how I put it. Um, a six as well. It just doesn't go anywhere. It's like it could. <laughs> it just doesn't decide on that. But we'll see how that holds up against this episode, which came right after episode 45, Ill Will Hunting. Do you get that reference or are you too young? Uh Goodwill Hunting? Oh, okay, good, good. Okay. I know that name and I have no idea what that means. Oh, you've never seen that movie? Near Mount Cornet, Ash and his friends come across Pokemon Hunter J. Uh, goons who are trying to snatch a group of wild shield on. Ash is about to come to the rescue, but his old friend his old friend and rival Gary gets there first with his Electivire. What was your good? What is Goodwill Hunting for the the viewers at home? <laughs> uh, Goodwill Hunting is a movie with uh, oh gosh, I'm horrible with actors and actresses. Um, some Will Smith. like hot, n- no, no, some like uh-huh. hot popular guy. Um, Justin Bieber. No, no, it's it's older. And uh, oh my gosh, I told you I'm horrible with names. 
Um, You're the one who was telling me that I don't know. And now you do I, this. I know. Robin Williams. Robin oh, Williams okay, okay. was in it. He was like a therapist. And oh. there was, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's very There's no hunting? Uh, n- no, I don't. I'm not 100% what? sure on the name of said um, the this is movie, clickbait. but uh, yeah, definitely clickbait. But the main character, uh, whatever that hot dude's name is, that I don't know, I don't remember who it was, but um, he was like a janitor for a college, and then he mm. was like, he would like solve like these difficult math equations. Uh, oh. After like everybody left, like they had these math equations stuck on the board and no one could uh, solve them, like the students. And then he would just be like cleaning up the room and he'd look over at it and then he'd start like messing around with it and he would be able to figure out those equations. Um, anyway, so very what? intelligent, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a very intelligent guy that wasn't like uh, applying himself. Uh, and then it goes into like a lot of his like upbringing and uh, that's where like. Um, Robin Williams comes in as the therapist. Uh, it's a, but it's a good movie. You should check it okay. out. Does it have Highly recommend anything to do with this episode? Uh, no, I think it just has the. Um, I think the pun is just ill the will title. hunting. So like good being ill, like is the opposite. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Will instead of like the name, it's like the want to do something or whatever. So bad intentions. Okay. Uh, and then I guess just because it's Hunter J. I don't know. Yeah, I'll give it that. <laughs> I think Greg would scream, but like... Oh, he absolutely would. <laughs> oh, man. I'll, I'll watch it for, for, uh, for homework. We'll, we'll get yeah, there. yeah, good movie. Uh, not related at all, but good movie. Uh, what about this episode? Would you think that this is a good episode from its intro, uh, cold open, any of that? How does it compare to uh, Goodwill Hunting, in your opinion? <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I actually watched Goodwill Hunting, so uh, I can't really compare like scene by scene. But oh, okay, I fair, will fair. say, um, as someone who only watched Gen One, that I was super excited to see Gary. Really? Okay. Yes, uh, I know. I don't know if we talked about this on a podcast or off a podcast before. Uh, but I remember you telling me that Gary beat Ash at the end of the Battle Frontier with the Electrovire, and that yes. kind of like prompted him to go to Sinnoh. And so when I saw the Electrovire and Gary, like mm. I was like taken aback for a second, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Will told me he already had that, so that's pretty cool." <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I think we discussed it, and it's also the zero episode of this podcast, so. If anyone wants to listen in more detail of the last time Ash and Gary met, feel free to check that out. But I'm glad you uh, you remember that when you, you saw it, kind of pieced it together. Were you, like, expecting Gary all here in Sinnoh? I don't even know if we discussed it that much, that he would be coming back. No, I didn't, I didn't have any idea that he would show up in this anime. Um like maybe like at the end during some big fight or you know mm. during the tournament or whatever but mm-hmm. no i didn't just expect him to casually be in an episode so that was really cool totally yeah i was also like oh that's awesome and he's here as part of a like research that he's doing and that's trying to protect the shield on 
that are um, being that are very rare, as Brock points out in the beginning of this episode to Dawn. And now we see that they're rare enough for Hunter J to come in and try to steal from their natural habitat, basically. What did you think about Shield on just kind of casually being in this forest? Yeah, it looked lost. <laughs> yeah, um, it was so scared and like kind of shaking at the beginning. So my only like real experience with Shield on would be from Pokemon Go. But I okay. know in Pokemon Go, it's a pretty rare spawn. So like when you see one, you like you typically get excited. You're like, oh, that's cool. It's a Shield on. Uh, same with like Craniados. Uh, those two Pokemon, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, those don't spawn too often. Um, right. Actually, I think Craniodos you... is the evolved form, but whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, no, you're good. It's uh, Red Pardus is the evolved form. Oh, it is. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it was like exciting to see those two uh, in the beginning. And I was like, oh, well, this is pretty rare. And they pointed that out, too. I was like, oh, so it must be a theme that it actually is a pretty rare Pokemon. Might be like a 1% spawn. Who knows? Well, yeah, I'm I'm glad that came up as a thought because neither of those Pokemon appear naturally in Sinnoh. Oh. You actually have to resurrect their fossils in order mm. to obtain them. Cranidos being exclusive to Diamond and Shieldon being exclusive to Pearl. Oh, interesting. Uh, I feel like yeah. they... They showed that well with the Craniodos because it's very like linked to the mm, fossil episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this one, yeah, there really wasn't much of a mention of fossils or anything. No. Yeah, it's like, wait, so there's just wild shields on, apparently? Like, did they survive the <laughs> Jurassic period? Like, did they escape from the Orberg Museum again or something? But yeah, it's just kind of like this area just has shield on, and uh, apparently everyone knows that they're they are very rare. But we don't know how they're even alive, so uh, I, I guess that's part of the mystery. <laughs> um, and then Hunter J's goons come out of nowhere again to try to steal it. Uh, Pikachu gets slapped <laughs> by a Golbat's wing attack, <laughs> uh, which is like, geez, okay. And then Electivire is able to start fighting them off a bit. Um, And Ash wants to keep battling, but Gary's like, no, we have to get going. So he sends out an Umbreon to go and um, fight the Golbat using Sand Attack at first. And then running over to a tree to lure out its Air Cutter attack. Uh, As it dodges out of Golbat's attack, that's where we see Beedrill come out and start attacking the goons. A lot of attacking going on here. Gary calls back Embryon, and then everyone runs away as Electivire is just holding all the shield on in its arms. Was that when he just, like, grabbed four of them and just started walking away with them? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. It's just great. Like, yeah, okay, that's fair. (laughs) I would like to do something. I had, like, big nanny vibes, you know? (laughs) Definitely. Oh, you know what? Big Hero 6. Oh, yeah. As the robot. Yeah, just grabbing all of them and walking away. Um, And Ash is like, what's going on? And Gary's like, no time to explain. We have to get out of here. And as they're running away, Dawn actually asks Brock, 
uh, who's Gary? <laughs> like, <laughs> what's happening? And Brock says, oh, he's also from Palatown, and he knows Ash. That's kind of all we get there. And he's Oak's grandson. And then she's like, oh, do you he... know poetry? Yes, he mentions <laughs> that when they, when they um, get to a safe clearing, and oh, okay. he starts, like trying to explain that he does research and she's like, wow, you're doing research. Like who is this kid? Like, why is he an intern already? <laughs> and I feel like Brock wants to say nepotism. Duh. Uh, but he's like, no, he's, he's Oak's grandson. And it's like, wow, that, that explains it. Uh, because then he does that thing where he makes, or no, no. Um, she's like, can you, so do you like do Pokemon poetry also? And Gary's just like, what what are you talking about? Yeah, I think it was like he was like really confused, like what? No, mm. and then it just like switch scenes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or something just like cut, that. It was just like a completely away. different conversation after that. Yeah, uh, we cut back to the goons actually, and they're like reporting to Jay that they found Shield on, but then they also say we also lost Shield on as she gets really mad at them and tells them to go find it. And they're like, yes, we will. Don't worry. And then Gary explains the whole thing, how this is supposed to be a nature preserve that they're trying to work on uh, to save Shieldon in this area. But then Hunter J has been looking for them. So he is trying to meet with Professor Rowan, which he already was going to do, apparently, uh, and then jumps on the best connected Zoom call I've ever seen from the middle of a forest. As he talks with Professor Rowan uh, over a video call as he is in his Jeep being driven towards the rendezvous point. So, you know, th this is this is where I draw the line for suspension of disbelief. Yeah, this isn't 2021 when this episode <laughs> was made. Yeah, 2007, this kind of Skype, I'm, I'm not buying it. Yeah, that stuff didn't even exist back then. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we had Skype and webcams uh, and stuff, but we, not great. I think the no, DSI like had video calling actually. Really? That's really Maybe. weird. I didn't. I don't ever have a DSI. Oh no. Okay. Very strange to think that Nintendo would do a feature like that. Well, they built had the built-in camera, so they had to do something with it. Like that was the whole the reason they they sold it. So maybe. But then they uh, they start discussing strategies on how to get to the rendezvous point. Ash wants to be a bit more aggressive and battle the goons, but Gary's like, no, we have to keep everyone together. And this kind of becomes the tension throughout the whole episode. What do you think about this, like, conflict, quote-unquote, that they have in how they rescue all these shield on? I'm glad you asked because I have a lot of thoughts about this situation. Mm. Um, it's very weird to me, but I enjoyed seeing how mature Gary was in the situation. Mm. I feel like Gary's character acted more like an adult would mm -hmm. um, and Ash's acted clearly like a child. And so it, to me, it just seems like Gary has had the last three seasons of experience in the Pokemon <laughs> world with some really cool Pokemon, which we haven't brought up one of them yet. Um, and, you know, it seems like he keeps them and, and raises them over time instead of starting off with a brand new batch every new region he goes to. Uh, but along with that, he keeps, like, 
his emotional maturity um, and becomes like level headed. Cause I feel like he was really cocky in mm. season one mm-hmm. and he's not that character anymore, at least in this episode. So what's Ash doing wrong? <laughs> That's a good question, but also really interesting observation on what Gary's been up to because do you remember what happens after the battle in Johto? Uh, no, I don't remember Johto. I, I watched like the first probably five episodes of Johto. Got it. Okay. Well, this will, might shock you, but at the end of that arc, as they're discussing what their plans are going to be moving forward, Gary announces that he's going to quit being a trainer and become a Pokemon professor like his grandfather. Oh, cool. I like that. Yeah, so he actually doesn't, as far as I know, go to Hoenn as a trainer. It's from that point onward that we just don't really see him for a long time as he becomes a uh, professor and researcher. So he does have that mature turn at the end there that we see, uh, partly prompted presumably by Ash beating him in the Johto League. Spoilers. (laughs) yes sorry 2002 people if you're listening uh to this through the 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 time travel technology that you have but yeah that's the end there of the johto season um at least for for gary i liked gary's maturity but i did feel like ash's own growth was being downplayed a lot like I think a lot of times Ash doesn't really show much growth in general. I feel like he just shows that he cares a lot. Mm. And he sometimes does things without thinking or recklessly um, mm-hmm. and without like a strategy to get out of the situation because he cares too much. I guess, <laughs> but like here there was little moments where it seems like Gary didn't explain the full thing until later in terms of just like context or the, the situation at hand. And I think if he had told Ash and some of that stuff up front, he would have been a little more on board and maybe helped create a more refined approach to their plan. Because what they end up deciding is, like, we can't fight at all. We need to go meet Rowan, but we're surrounded by all these all these goons in different locations. And we have to go through this really steep, like, terrain in order to get there. Like, I felt like if they had put more time into it, they could have come up with a better plan that involved distracting the all the goons by having, like, Ash battle them. Uh, and giving them more of a chance to get away, which we end up seeing later on, but the plan kind of fails because it's very much a last-ditch effort on their part. Yeah, well, it, it fails because the the shield on like has the rock fall out from under him, mm-hmm. and then it slides like down the side of the mountain, yeah, or the hill or whatever. So let's just cut to that. I I think. Because they decide that they need to go and meet with Professor Rowan and uh, Officer Jenny. So they try to go across, like, we. this is the cold open from the episode where they're trying to, like, 
shimmy their way across this thin cliff, which is a miracle that no one died there. Shilva actually kind of falls off for a moment, but because they're tied to ropes, everyone is kind of able to bring them back up to the edge and carry onward. So kind of kind of clickbaity opening or cold open, if I do say so. And as they get to the end, Gary notices that one of the Shieldons really tired. Um, but in that moment, we see Sailor Man's come out of nowhere and land in front of Ash and his friends. Because Hunter J was able to piece together that they're trying to meet with this other vehicle that they saw on their radar, which is Rowan and Jenny. Were you expecting Hunter J to catch up to them like this? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen her before. I know. I, again, I can't tell. Is is Hunter J? She? Her? Yes. But they call her Sir. I'm so confused. <laughs> Look, if if you have someone above you with a arm cannon that can turn you to stone, you're calling them whatever they want. I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in general, I do believe it's good to, uh, you know call people off of what they prefer their pronouns to be but i'm just very confused on like what the writers were intending oh okay in what sense maybe well just because like it's a female character but then it's then they're like referred to as sir and so maybe that's like a translation thing uh maybe there's like one term that would be like ma'am sir or all-encompassing in japanese but it doesn't translate translate that way in english like maybe in english it splits up into you know the two terms sir and ma'am um maybe that's just how they thought like military operates or uh, maybe that sounds more professional and um more bounty huntery i don't know i just don't understand it yeah i never put a lot of time into it but it could be something with the translation and localization for sure. Um, but I guess that atmosphere of being a group of mercenaries, basically, kind of, I just kind of bought into that, especially seeing how they're all dressed and they have like strict communications and a lot of just warfare aesthetic. I kind of just immediately was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Even though she okay. is a, a, a portrayed as a woman, um, yeah, as far as and we I know. think like at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter for the episode and stuff. It just it was just very strange for me because I I felt like the character was female, and then I hear that, and I'm like, wait, was I <laughs> was I just like portraying that character to be female, or did they actually mm. say it was a female? Like, was that something on me? Was that something that the episode told me? I don't know. It was it was interesting. It made me think yeah. about all that. No, definitely. And Jay shows that she's very capable of any title you give her as she sends as she sends out her Drapion uh, to battle with Pikachu and has a hyperbeam fire on Ash and crew, which forces Gary to send out his starter Pokemon, the Blastoise, to battle alongside Pikachu using Hydro Cannon and a bunch of other moves uh, in order to cover for them as... Don, Brock, and the Shield on all sneak away up the side of up the side of a road, uh, over toward where Rowan and Officer Jenny are. 
And there's a cool little moment here where uh, Dawn kind of wants to help Gary and crew, but Brock kind of holds on to her and says, hey, we our job is to keep the shield on safe, right? And she agrees to that and then um, commits to helping the shield on get to where they need to be. Did that moment stick out for you at all? Yeah, I just felt like they... Uh... It's very interesting how they put these Pokemon that they've never met before mm. like way before themselves. It's not just like doing them a favor. It's like we're just going to put ourselves <laughs> and our own Pokemon at risk to try to save you guys, which I mean, is really cool. But uh, that's. That takes a lot of guts. Yeah, no, uh, especially for like people that aren't trained for those types of situations mm-hmm. um, to think like level headedly. It makes total sense for on to be like no no i want to go help because that would give them the best chances of winning the battle versus right. like the big mission is saving the shield on making sure that they get their sanctuary yeah yeah totally right i i kind of like it because it shows dawn maybe mature a little bit here uh and kind of shows brock's understanding of how dangerous the situation is as well but, like, they don't do a lot themselves in guiding the shield on up the side of the road, which I was like, maybe if that had been a bit more explicit in how they're helping them, especially because of what happens, uh, I would have uh, gotten more satisfaction from it. Because what does happen is that one of the tired shield on flips and falls down right into the middle of the battle, and... Uh, that's where Hunter J is able to capture it using her petrification beam and then make cover as she runs away with the shield on back to the ship. Turns that shield on into chocolate. Oh, man. Uh, that's that, that's uh, something that stuck out to me in the cold open. I was like, oh, we're getting chocolate Pokemon again. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. <laughs> You're most, you must be one of these customers that she has. Hey, I'll eat a chocolate-covered Pokemon. <laughs> of course. As long as it's not like a Magikarp. That would hurt. What? Oh. You can't bite into a Magikarp. I mean, yeah, but like in the anime, you actually see like the mini Magikarp that are kind of like chocolate or uh, cookie-esque. They have those in Japan. They're really good. I can't remember what they are, but they have like a certain filling usually, which is chocolate or like banana. But anyway, <laughs> uh, here they are all... Frustrated to hear that Jay was able to make off with one of the shields on, and Ash is very hard on himself because he thinks that it's his fault. But it's actually Gary who admits fault in the situation because he overestimated the stamina of the shield on in being able to get this far as they um, went alongside the cliff and then had to climb up this other small cliff to get to uh, Rowan and Jenny. Uh, that was just like another sign of like maturity. I, I think for both of them, really, like, man, I screwed up. And it was like, oh, no, no, I screwed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought maybe mm-hmm. they were going to go back and forth for like five minutes saying who screwed up worse. And each of them thought it was their own fault. But right. uh, th- I think they just both realized maybe they could have worked better together or. Or who yeah. knows? Maybe they could have talked about the situation a little more and maybe seen it from more points of view and prevented mm-hmm. what happened. 
Yeah, like a little more emphasis on that part would have been nice. But here instead, we cut to Jay getting in the vehicle and Ash and Gary pulling the same trick that Ash pulled last time, which is hide to the unders hide in the underside of their vehicles as they go back into the big hovercraft thing. And I'm like, did you guys not do a security check the last time this happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that security policy should have been updated at least. Yeah, or like give me like a scan sensor. all vehicles before going on the big ship. <laughs> right? Like something underneath to to scan or something. Just put mirrors on the ground. No, there we go. Yeah. There's ways you can do that without needing a ton of technology. Um and while Jay is waiting for the client to show up that we saw them call earlier in this episode to get the shield on, uh, Ash and, and Gary just start wrecking house inside the, of the ship. And that's enough to distract them and scare off the client who announces from the helicopter that is like, our deal is off. I see that Officer Jenny is on her way. So bye. <laughs> he just like... He just ends the contract right there. And like, Jay's yeah, I'm not getting furious. arrested. See ya. Yeah. And she's like, what? How dare you? <laughs> and uh, it's great. She's she's a shrewd businesswoman. And she does not like when she gets um, played like this. So and all of this, uh, she she like Ash is able to recover shield on and free it from its stasis. Um, and. Jade tells her subjects or her, her goons, like, no, we're done here. Let's just take off and leave the shield on. And Ash still wants to fight. But at that point, I think Gary's just like, no, it's fine. Like, we have shield on back. Just leave him alone. He's like, yeah. we don't want to deal with this. Well, and I understand Ash's point of view for this one. Um, mm -hmm. Just because this is, this is the second run in with Jade. Yes. And I believe at the beginning of it, he said uh, the beginning of like this episode with Jay, he said that he wasn't going to let her get away again. Mm -hmm. You know, she definitely needs to be stopped. She needs to pay for what she's done, but she needs to be stopped for her future actions as well. Right. He has so a strong sense that. of justice going for in. For sure. On the more pragmatic side, they're like, hey, she'll unsafe, and we don't have enough people here to train and stop Jay anyway. So. Kind of cut your losses at this point. Um, Officer Jenny finally shows up and they reunite the shield on in a very cute way. Uh, and she says that she'll launch a full investigation into Hunter J. Which I was like, isn't there one already? Isn't that like why the other Officer Jenny showed up last time? Yeah, that's what I thought. Right? Okay. That that's what I remembered as well. So maybe they're like, we need a new investigation. Or Hunter J actually has some people on the inside that are able to kind of close her case quietly. <laughs> yeah, maybe that or um I think it's maybe a little more likely that the officer Jennies of the different cities haven't been mm. communicating about the Hunter J situation. And maybe, so maybe yeah. like the last city had its own its own case open for Hunter J. And now this one's like, oh, we need to open a case. 
And then maybe it's like, oh, we need to go more than just attacker with officers. We need to get a whole damn army. <laughs> well, I don't know if I should say that. You can cut that out. <laughs> a whole like army. The... <laughs> <laughs> That's why they. Uh... I mean, like, it, it kind of feels like they're putting in a support ticket, though. They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll deal with it. <laughs> like, like, what? Like, bring, I bring in, like, the the international police for this or something? Like, come on, give, give me a little more uh, follow through than another investigation opening up. Yeah, I could see your point for sure. But from here, Gary thanks Ash for his help, reminding them that they're friends to the end which Dawn remarks immediately that it's a poem, and she's super excited about this. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, Gary told Professor Rowan that it was Ash that saved the day because mm -hmm. Professor Rowan was, like, congratulating Thanks. Gary and thanking Gary and everything. And Gary's mm -hmm. like, actually, it's, it was all Ash. And it's like, well, it was really both of them, but it was cool to be, like, yeah. to see Gary be like, oh, I don't need the glory, I can... I can recognize Ash in this situation. Exactly. He's like, I have my government funding for my research. Give give Ash some credit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then they depart off on their way to Hartholme City. Yeah, I, I guess to start, how would you compare this episode to the last one that Hunter J was in? Ooh, the last episode Hunter J was in. That's a good question. Um I think I like this one better. I like the characters better. Uh, mm -hmm. Can't remember what her name was. Cheryl? He's, oh, man. Do you remember, like, the owner of uh, the Gardevoir? Yeah, I don't know. Was that Cheryl? I, no. no, 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 no. Cheryl's the Cheryl's forest. Else. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's right. But, like, um, I don't even remember her yeah. name, honestly. I was going to say, it wasn't Gardenia, because she's the, the grass gym leader. Um. But yeah, whatever that person's name was, like that character was just uh, temporary, I guess, you know, just like That's, there for an episode. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it was a character of the day for sure. Yeah. And so I, I think I liked seeing Gary come back. Oh, it was a melody. Situation. Oh, melody. Got it. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think it was better to have a character that actually like meant something to the audience. To right. Be involved. Yeah, that's probably my main plus for this episode as well, is that, it, like, that that old episode had this character that we don't know literally anything about. Like, she has a Gardevoir and a Curlia, and that's it. It was also kind of odd that they were only able to figure out what was going on and intercept Jay by having her use Curlia's future sight. Yeah. I would just like, oh, like she's really just here as a plot device. But here in this episode, on the contrary, they're very much like everyone's established. No one's new here uh, except the shield on. And we get to see them in a very different situation than we've ever seen before. Like Gary's almost never been involved with what Team Rocket does even so. And being in this very high-stakes environment with some characters that we're pretty familiar with, even though we haven't seen in a while, is kind of cool and adds an interesting dynamic. Uh, and with that in mind, what do you think you would rate this episode of the anime? 45, Ill Will Hunting. 
I liked it quite a bit. I'd say like a eight, eight point five. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, I thought it was really good. So back to that last Hunter J episode, I was thinking about it a little more just now. Um, it seems like that one was that was like a capture and then a break in and then an escape plan. Mm. Whereas like this time yeah, there was some of that, but it seemed more like Hunter J was kind of like on the um the defensive side of things. Oh, how so? Um just because like they were in control of the Pokemon most of the time, like the shield on for mm. most of the episode, whereas like in the last Hunter J episode, she had Meowth and I want to say Pikachu very early on. Mm-hmm. And so it was like we have to get onto their spaceship flying through the air <laughs> and uh and you know do like a jailbreak that way. Mm. Whereas this time it was like we're getting into the into the ship to like do a distraction. Um but for most of the episode they were in control of the Shilon. Right. And they were like trying to keep that away from Hunter J. Yeah, that's a good point. It was very much in this case that they were the prey. Yes. And Hunter J was effectively the predator. Uh, very soothing of her title. I kind of enjoyed how Ash was able to use his Pokemon in the first one a bit more, though. Uh, like on the ship, Apom and Turtwig were a help. And... Star he sends he just sends oh actually in both cases for these episodes he sends Staravia out to go and um tell everyone where they are. Oh that's true. I did actually like that scene. I forgot about it, but I like how they were both underneath the mm-hmm. truck thing and he brings it out of the Pokeball like underneath the truck and like in the shadows and was like, All right, go sneak out. Yes know where we are. And I, and I I I did like that. That was pretty cool. And did you notice how Staravia flew away? Uh, it seemed like it stayed like close to the ground until yes. it got into the bushes. Yeah, yeah, it just like beeline for the bushes and just glides silently. And I thought that was hilarious. I'm like, even Staravia knows that this is a stealth mission. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I like that scene. You know, there was one thing about these two episodes, episode forty four and forty five, mm-hmm. that just left me scratching my head. Um. Obviously, be? it's it's logical. Um, my my thought process is logical, and it would take a lot away from the two episodes if they were to have done it this way. But it just blows my mind why they don't just be like, "Oh, we're gonna put these Pokemon, mm-hmm. Hippopotas or the Shield on into Pokeballs. Yeah, get them to where they need to be, and then release them. You know, they they've already mm-hmm. talked about releasing Pokemon." in this season even yeah so you know that's a thing uh it's just like it didn't even cross your mind totally i also had that thought and i'm trying to figure out the best way that the anime might explain it in the world that we know and my guess is that they don't want to have the pokemon form a bond with a human that way and then have to try to release it back into the wild. Because there's some judgment, I think, on Ash's part and everyone else when Paul just releases Pokemon. 
And I wonder if that's a concern for maybe the Pokemon's mental health. I'm like, what? I just got turned into, like, data and then <laughs> let out. <laughs> like, what happened? That's true. So it could be that kind of nature connection that they're like, I don't want to taint this. But it does seem for practicality reasons and the fact, like, the alternative fate is for these Pokemon being sent into a trophy collection for a random buyer kind of evens out the scales here for what's a moral choice. Yeah. Uh, and then th the other thing about this episode was when Ash released it from the chocolate stasis, um, the shield yes. like ran into his arms and like hugged him. Yeah. And it's another one of those like moments that it's like, Oh, are you about like, are you trying to tell us that Ash is going to get this Pokemon? Mm -hmm. And so like for the next minute or two, I'm thinking like, Oh, this would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how to say the other one. Is it Bastodon or something? Bastiodon, um, I think. Yeah. And so I don't really know much about those Pokemon, but they're pretty cool. I think that mm -hmm. would have be, been a good addition to his team as well. Like, so there's yeah. like two episodes in a row that I'm like, here's a cool Pokemon that mm -hmm. I don't really know a whole, whole lot about that Ash could add onto his team and it'd be really awesome. And then he doesn't, you know, I think it might. Okay. So yes, that is interesting that both these episodes you're like this Pokemon, is it going to join the team? Like it really seems like it. And it ends up not. I wonder if this is a bias towards Pokemon that are bipedal. Hmm. Because I've noticed this bias myself when choosing starters, when choosing, like, just my general favorite Pokemon, that I try to go for something that can stand on two legs. And I wonder if that's influenced by the anime. Interesting. Because they tend to give those Pokemon more attention. Yeah, they're more humanized in a way. They can, like do things that are a level above what a dog or a cat or like some other pet might do that doesn't have that ability to use its hands and it seems more special in that way hmm. so maybe True. having having pikachu carry a little bottle of ketchup yeah you know sold it <laughs> i love cuteness that you can do with that exactly yeah so Maybe that's food for thought that I'll have to think about as we continue onward. But uh, I, I wonder what you guys at home think, maybe in the comments. Like, do you have any special unconscious or conscious bias towards Pokemon that look a certain way that can walk and talk, maybe like humans do? Because I think that's very interesting in terms of what people see in Pokemon and how they connect to them. Do you notice um, that at all with some of the Pokemon that you like? Yeah, I was thinking about that. So I'd say like Cyndaquil is my favorite Pokemon, which to me is like a four-legged one. I don't know. To mm. me, it's not really bipedal. I don't know. Um, even though I don't think it walks around on four, but it just, it's like hunched over. Like yes. it would walk on four. But then of course I like Jinx, which is probably the most human-like Pokemon besides Mr. Mime. <laughs> no, man. Um, Disturbingly so. Yes. And then I'm trying to look back. Here, I'm looking back at my plushies right now, see which ones. <laughs> Are you saying we need to make this a video podcast? So you can see all your plushies? 
Oh man, then I have to put my makeup on. Uh, I think it's I like it. Lapras a lot. I like okay. uh, Porygon. Yeah, so I feel like those same. are okay. Same, um, same. But the thing is with those two, I wouldn't keep them as or treat them as pets because Lapras is too big and Porygon's too robotic. Or at least non-organic. Yeah, Lapras is more of like a mode of transportation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Score bunny, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think I probably do have a bias towards bipedal Pokemon, but I try not to. Mm-hmm. I think they just make bipedal Pokemon cute. Yeah, they do. I, I don't know what it is, but I, I think it's interesting to think about if anyone wants to give it some thought and get back to us, feel free to do that in the comments. Uh, but I don't think I mentioned my rating for this episode. I would probably give it a 7? Like, it, it's an uneven 7 because it felt weirdly rushed in the beginning and middle and the ending way how like Gary and Ash are just attacking the ship felt like a kind of weak climax to everything that was going on in terms of trying to rescue the shield dawn like it it was like kind of thought through there wasn't a lot of surprises that I found cool or engaging necessarily so that's why I wouldn't say this is one of my favorite episodes for that. Yeah, I just really liked seeing Gary with his Blastoise, mm-hmm. Gary with the Umbreon. Um, what yeah, else? Gary that's fair. with what Electivire. Pokemon? Electivire, of course. Yeah, uh, it's just like three like very strong Pokemon. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, you're cool. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it was nice to see Umbreon. Uh, we haven't seen it in like. A long time, actually. Um, but I don't remember if it's clear or not, but I'm pretty sure Squirtle was Gary's starter, and then he caught Eevee along the way. Yeah, I I don't remember, like, the timelines of all that. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's yeah, one thing that I think we missed in episode 44 that sure. deserves a mention. What's that? This, this scene where... Uh, Jesse's like falling asleep during the, um, the motto, little motto, and then after that is like when oh, James yeah. is fighting them, and then each of like the main characters have like their little anime, um, like pictures, like it's like full on anime style like faces. Do you remember that? Kind of. Uh, to like, me, it seemed it was like an action, and uh, it was like Brock, Don, Ash. I okay. Believe. Um, and it was like oh yeah, like attacking like like a big fight anime style mm-hmm. uh, drawing to to that scene, and I thought that was really good. I like that. Yeah, and the 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 thing there is that they're all mad at Team Rocket for like ruining yes. their day so many times, and Ash goes in saying like prepare for trouble, and then Don says something, and Brock says make it double. And James is like, hey, no fair. So yeah, little I call just, back I, there. I like the, the art style mm-hmm. uh, during that part. It, it was different and it definitely yeah. like, stood out to me. It was a cool compliment to what was being said there. But yeah, uh, any other thoughts on this arc and 44, 45 
not really an arc, but you know, just this pair of episodes covering today. And I think that's about it. I mm-hmm. mean, we went an hour and 25 minutes, so <laughs> we had quite a bit to talk about. Definitely, yeah. And if you guys have anything to talk to us about or like hearing us talk about these things, feel free to subscribe down below and you'll be able to see any new episodes as they come along. Uh, we are getting close to the end of the season and it's going to be very interesting as we uh, close out the last arc here. But yeah, as always, feel free to share if you have someone who's trying to get into Diamond and Pearl and wants to check out the anime. That's where we're all here about. Different experiences, for sure. Uh, Brady, again, hasn't played the game, so Brill and Diamond and Shining Pearl will be your first time in Sinnoh, correct? Yes, and I'm really excited for it. Yeah. Do you think you'll try to get Shield all on your team? Electivire? Um, I guess it just kind of depends. I'm planning on maining, like, I'll buy both the games, of course, but I'm planning on maining uh, Diamond. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on if they let me get Shield on or if I can only have Kranidos or what. Mm, if the version that cl- exclusives stay the same. Yeah, or if they, like, let you have a choice between the two. Um, but honestly, I'd probably choose Kranidos anyway. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, maybe I will go with Shield on just because it's different. Yeah. And it it's like against the grain for me, but that'll be good. Totally, yeah. It's kind of nice to do something that's like a little outside of uh, what you would normally do for team choices. Yes. But yeah, that's been it for us. This is episode 26 of Sights on Sinnoh. And we are going to be covering a special episode next time with JM and Karina. So stick around for that. Brady, as always, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And if people want to see more of you, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, You can find me on Twitch and Twitter at Symbacoil. uh, C-Y-M-B-A-C-O-I-L. Yeah, and I would end up super happy if uh, uh, people listen and subscribe to the channel, so feel free to do that. (laughs) Uh, But this has been Sights on Sinnoh, and we will catch you next time. So until then, see you in Sinnoh. Smell you later. Oh no, you're not! (laughs) I was waiting all episode for the (laughs) time. Dang, did not see that coming. All right. And oh, there's a Charizard at my house. Oh my gosh. <laughs>